And she's like, yeah, you, you can only bring so much because you also had to like carry all of this like bulk canned food and stuff with you on the plane to take down there. And I'm like, why were you, why would you haul canned food? Like, halfway across the planet she's like i don't don't know i said they had you they had you carry canned food in your backpack she's like yeah tons of it like it was so heavy (laughs) it's a compliance test anything to avoid paying for something in the place where you're going it's like hey you know if you need anything we got a grocery store down the street like no thanks we brought all the vienna sausages and canned ham that we uh that we could fit in our backpacks yeah we'll just eat bushes baked beans right out of the canned colds all week instead of support a local economy (laughs) we'll just they're like locusts they like they could they're more likely to devastate a local economy (laughs) than to support it Welcome to Grown Up Christian. I'm Casey. I'm Sam. And I think, first of all, so it's July 2nd. I think there's there's a definite contrast between you and I. And uh, I think there's no better indication of that to like the the outside viewer than t-shirts. Yeah. (laughs) You're rocking As Cities Burn, which definitely has more of a French vibe right now. And French, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's oh yeah, the cities are burning. It. Given everything that's going on in <laughs> France, yeah, yeah, I'm rocking my these colors don't run shirt from Walmart. Yeah, no, that's which, uh, and it's very colorful, uh, which is good because that way we can be sure that they are in fact not running. If it was yeah. like a black and white shirt, it would have just not had the same. It would have the same feel. What is yeah, that? You I mean, got an eagle. Oh, it's got an eagle on there. Spreading He's his butt cheeks. in front of a. <laughs> There's a little like a uh, like a tribal design down here, which I like. Oh yeah, Adds tribal designs something. are always necessary. Um, well, I can't see the tribal design though. Let me. Uh, oh me stand yeah. Okay. Up. We got to stand up a little bit. Just just a little. It's tasteful. Oh tribal. yeah. It, that would make a great tattoo. Someone saw that T-shirt and went immediately asked for it to be a tattoo that covered like their full upper arm well dude it's like uh tribal tattoos are a little like cut off shirts like if you're a built dude with with uh you know that takes care of himself like a cut off shirt's fine that's that's a that's a perfectly valid look depending on you know you don't want to wear that at capitol grill but like inappropriate setting yeah like tim Uh, lambesis if you are like a dumpy white trash dude with a goatee sitting next to me in the airplane like very cramped and now i have to like like lean up against your sweaty clammy bare arm because you wore a sleeveless shirt (laughs) now it's a problem yeah i feel like exposed skin on an airplane is always a problem no matter what you look like yeah i'm very against exposed skin on an airplane i think you should be required to wear long sleeves you must wear socks. If you don't wear socks on an airplane, I just don't think there's room for you. Yeah, I mean, uh, everybody should be Pentecostal attire-wise on a plane. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a prude unless I'm on an airplane, and then I think that's when I would like <laughs> to make my feelings about dress, 
unilaterally apply to everybody else. So I get that impulse that Christians have, uh, but I only feel it on airplanes and not, you know, in a not trying to orchestrate everybody's lives from the pulpit of a megachurch. Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of your pull up your pants speech. Yeah, it is. It's uh, <laughs> pull up your pants. <laughs> it's my Bill Cosby moment. <laughs> but not that moment. Different Bill Cosby moment. Dude, I keep thinking about how Bill Cosby's out of jail and a technicality, and I think that's what's going to happen with Trump. I think Trump's going to like I think he's just going to like take some of these charges and they're going to stick, but then like there's going to be some little thing that pops up just like with Bill Cosby where it's like, "Oh, now he's out again. He's going to he's just out doing his shit." Same he's not shit. going to jail. No, I he don't think stacking- he they keep stacking charges on him, and like it, it's pretty. I mean, it would be more shocking than him winning the White House again if he was to end up actually going to jail. You you think it'd be more shocking if he won the? Did you say more shocking if he won the White House than go? If to he jail? went to jail, then oh. if he actually like won the White House again. Like he's oh, yeah. more likely to end up, uh, you know, running us into the ground for a second term. Yeah, I think we're um I think we're very certainly going to end up with another Trump presidency. That's my finger on the pulse right now, I think. And it's not because he has uh just such a wide swath of support. He just has a strong base and uh Biden watching him give speeches is just like watching someone deep fake an open casket. It's like he it looks fake, he looks corpsey. He's pumped full of like botox or formaldehyde or whatever he had a bad week this week and uh, like coming out with like obvious like oxygen mask line like indents on his face yeah like they just just, it's he's like a he's like a a worn out tire that you're just trying to get another like two months out of before you have to replace it so they just pump him up like once a day to get to work. They have to use like the that bra sticky tape on his eyelids to like hold them open. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's just bad. It like, gives him the uh, the angular, you know, like uh, cheek the the Kennedy cheekbones, and for him, it just like keeps his eyes mostly open. Yeah, they have it's like they have he's like has to safety pin by his like cheekbones in order to like keep his face from falling off. He <laughs> and I think what's so funny is like another thing that happened this week that's not helping him. Uh a lot of the support he had, a lot of the mo- momentum he had was from millennials uh and even some on the leftist side of things because of like uh he had a cup. He had that slew of victories for a while, and I think he just thought he could just not do anything and ride those out until the election, and people would still like him. But um, obviously, now, uh, just the other day, his like the loan forgiveness for college debt or the partial loan forgiveness for college debt got struck down, and immediately, I'm just like, what does this guy think? Like that, like I don't want to vote for him, but I feel like. I feel like kind of this was the plan is like to have it go nowhere. So that way he could really try again um, down the road. And cause he doesn't care enough. He doesn't really want to do it. But in two years when he needs it during the election cycle, he can ride on this. And like when we're like actually coming up to, to the election season, he that's when I think we'll see like more of a push for this. So he can pretend like he fucking cared 
the entire time, but it's just, everything is just strategy, right? Like it's hard to believe that a lot of these people give two shits about like what's actually going on. It's just like all reelection, everything's reelection campaign all the time is what it feels like. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You know, the thing with Biden too, is that we've, we've only really like people our age have only really known him in his twilight years. And it's like you, you just have this, like in your mind, he's this like nice old guy that's probably should step out of the way, but like he just kind of stays. In, but but he's just like a he's a nice old man, but like he's kind of been a Washington insider scumbag his entire life, <laughs> and like some of that's coming back to haunt him now. Yeah, I don't nothing know. like having your entire voting record. Uh available to the public for people to watch but people don't care and i feel like it gets to a point where like you could people just go well that was a long time ago he's changed like if you want to believe that he's better or different now you can say that like 30 years has made a good difference but i don't know i just i can't believe that they're running him it's like it feels like uh they're just gonna have it's like he's being weakened at bernie's right now it's like they're just well, it's, trudging around this dead corpse and pretending like it's alive. Yeah, and the the uh, the typical like like nobody but the chosen boy arguments have already started. Like, yeah, yeah. The Breaking Points had a clip from like Pod Save America this week where they're like, you know, um, if you vote for anybody but Biden, like you're you're basically just voting for Trump. Like, yeah, shut up. we're <laughs> not even there yet. Like, we're not even there yet. I've done that early. Good like, the them. chances of this guy even living another year and a half are insane. Like, much less four years. Give me a break. Like, I know. Run somebody we can vote for. Just anybody. Just anybody with somewhat of a cleaner slate that stands for something that's presenting something positive, other than like, guess what? I'm not that guy. I don't know. This is like an art, a tired argument, but I'm just so irritated that like the power structure is so important to them that they'll yeah. run him again, as opposed to like putting somebody else in the seat. Yeah. Someone who's maybe less like pliable uh, to the whims of that structure. Right. That's what it comes down to is Biden's gonna, they It's predictable. It's boring. They don't have to worry about him really shaking up the system. Uh they don't have to worry. There's just nothing to worry about. It's uh, like a they Feinstein don't wanna... dy- dynamic. Like Diane Feinstein's aides have been running her office for like the last however many years, you know, since she could actually like remember her address. Yeah. <laughs> so it's convenient to have a person like that because the you know the 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 people behind the scenes can kind of just do what they want. Yeah, I mean, even the college like the debt forgiveness thing is kind of a racket. Um, and I'll take it. I'll, I'll, of course I'll take it, but it just, every, all these things feel like little, like little band-aids that they do to prevent people from like the, uh, to prevent the other side of the political spectrum from storming the Capitol. Right. Cause it's like, oh, we'll just give you like $10,000 of debt forgiveness. So that way you can be happy for a year or two and not have to can like, think about how like you know, you've lost 40% of your buying power in the market because the, your interest rates on a mortgage are 8% and houses are $600,000. It's like, <laughs> who cares? Like, what's, who cares about $10,000 when it's, you can't afford debt, a home ever? It's debt that they own. Like the federal government owns it. And they, uh, like my, <laughs> the thing I always laugh about is the fact that like, you know, they bought all this college debt 
from these other institutions and stuff. They own almost all of it at this point. And then once in a while, they come out and act like, you know what? We, we're we're going to do something nice for you because we care about you and we want you to do well. And so, you know, we're going to give you this little nugget. And it's like, why don't you just cut interest rates to zero on all this debt that you own? You could right. do that right now, couldn't you? Like, Which couldn't we make that happen? Been. It has been zero since um, the pandemic. I haven't had to pay. Um, well, for yeah, for federal loans. Some of mine are private. I, that's right. So I have a small one. But all my federal loans that I took out for master's, my master's program, it's like I haven't been paying anything. Uh, I haven't been accruing interest on those. But that's going to start changing. I think sometime in the next, like, I don't know, three to six months there, whatever they did to the, the whole, like, stop the whole stop payment, the whole no uh, interest accrual is coming to an end because uh, that was some like COVID relief bill that expires. And I can't, that's another thing. I'm sure we can't count on Biden to re up on that, you know, because um, he doesn't what care because of- he doesn't fucking care. Like, it's just what do we I mean? <laughs> and, then, and then it's even funny that Supreme Court just knocks it down like. Like, why do we listen to them? Why are we listening to them? <laughs> <laughs> you wonder more and more every day <laughs> why they are important. It's like, they're like, well, unconstitutional. And you're like, yeah, but 85% of the population backs this idea. So like, shouldn't, and we're supposedly a democracy, a representative democracy, but still a democracy. It's like, doesn't that count for anything? Doesn't the will of the people? And it's so funny because it really is shows you that like, they're like, well, you know, it's a, it's like a, it's a fail safe. It's like it stops bad things from happening. So it's like, okay, so democracy is only important insofar as it lines up with the interests of the people who want to make the rules. So they're like, we love democracy, uh, got out there, vote, it matters. And then they're like, well, the people want something we don't like. So we need to, like, you know, find a way to put a stop to like actual democracy and not just like we support it when it conveniently lines up with our beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. We support it other places especially when it's somebody that we like that ends up in the seat. Yeah. <laughs> we respect democracy and the will of people in other places, but we will put our finger on the scale and we'll and they, occasionally I mean, like put our thumb on somebody else. Yeah. I mean, they wanted to start a coup. We just like helped them. You know, it's not, it wasn't like our thing, but like we just gave them a little bit of a nudge uh, and, a, and a, a few trillion dollars. I mean, yeah. We just started seven TV stations and put 50 NGOs in place to uh, <laughs> drum up support. <laughs> oh, my God. oh, boy. Way out in the weeds. Yeah. Um, what kind of private loans did you get? Like, did you uh, did you lie your way into like a Wounded Warrior grant or something like that? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, the, the Stolen Valor Fund. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dude i could write you a story for that yeah if you had to to submit an essay or like a personal bio i could really i could make something great every single time i'm late on my loan payments though um i get a i get a call and they're like hey you know you're six days late on your account um just one and then it's like but they always have to ask you the same questions like you know just to make sure uh has your address changed it's like no have you recently joined the military it's like no, they don't. Do they just let 35 year old men join the military? <laughs> That's not changing anytime. Can I just like indefinitely tell, like, say that it will never change? 
Why do you have like the questions I have to ask every fucking time? Are, it's like, I know why you're calling. Just cut to the chase where I go, I'm sorry, I forgot to pay it. I'll pay it online today. And you go, okay, well, mark your account down that you're going to pay it today. It's like, but we can't, we can't, they can't skip the pageantry. The, the amount of money they pay people to just f- make phone calls when people are late must be an annoyance. It's like, I, it has to be worth the cost. It's hard for me to imagine how that's true. I wonder if it's like uh, you look on the website for those companies and like the the help wanted ad just says like stress position. This oh, position God. calls for you to create stress for other people so that they will cough up thirty dollars of their hundred and fifty payment. Yeah, well, dude, because I used to work. Uh, have I talked about working for the company Civic Development Group on the podcast? I don't remember if I have, but I I was a telemarketer so. for a while. And it was like you had that we had like we had three scripts and um, we would call about like one was for like EMT type shit. One was like a firefighter fund of some sort. And one was like a teddy bear drive for police. And all of these were scams. Um, they were hired that this company was hired as basically to manage the fundraising for these things. But it would be like. If you looked at the fine print, it was like a minimum of 5% would go to the organization and the rest like that they were raising money for and the rest went to fund this fucking scam. And occasionally people would ask that and you would say, well, a minimum of what's raised uh, uh, five is the minimum is like 5% and people are like scream at you. They're like, you're stealing from the police. First of all, we're not even raising money for the police. This is like a teddy bear drive started by a former cop or some shit like that. It's all masked in like this language of like trying to sound like you're calling on behalf of the police or actual fire department. And it's just, it's a complete scam. But after doing that for a while, like it's like you have your script on your screen and then based on what people say, you have a new script and based on what they say to that, you have a new script and you have to try at least three times to get them to donate. And you're like, you just drop the dollar amount every time. And then you usually get yelled at. Or if you don't get yelled at, it's because you're talking to like an old lady who donates every year and just gives like gets tired of talking to you and ends up giving you 20 bucks or something. So you just but, scammed old people yeah, out of oh, fuck, money. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was awful i felt i mean i didn't i need to get by man but uh i felt is that kind of what you tell yourself yeah that's exactly what i don't i'm just following orders yeah (laughs) never heard that before real rank and file type you know (laughs) the telemericorp nuremberg yeah that's what you're gonna say and it was gross there man i mean everyone there was like out on parole and shit too and uh, we had some formerly violent criminals just sitting next to you bragging about how they pushed somebody in front of a bus one day uh and then like we had there's like this big public announcement to get to tell people they need to stop flicking their boogers on the wall next to the urinals <laughs> <laughs> it was the worst <laughs> place i had ever worked <laughs> oh man that but is anyway, a uh my point was ladies I, in the audience uh know- every urinal every urinal there's boogers all over the wall in front of it. If it doesn't matter if the building is open two weeks ago, if you're standing at a urinal and you look close enough, You'll there's find a booger, booger on the wall every yeah. time. That's wild. Um, my point of all of this was that there's a that the script for telemarketing, and I hear the script whenever they call, and I have I feel like I'm kinder to telemarketers now just because I 
it was awful. It's awful doing that job. And it is funny to fuck with them sometimes. Of course, everyone has to do that. But I would just, just to give them like that moment, like is you have to go through the script. And if you got someone nice on the phone, it was really, it made you like less well, like ready to jump out that third story window just because that was five minutes of like, I can just talk and not have to worry, worry about getting like verbally abused. So I'll just like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not interested. And they're like, all right, well, how about, and then I'm like, Oh no, I appreciate it. But uh, still not interested. It's like, I'll just let them, I'll let them ride it. I feel like they, you can tell when people need it. You hear that, the trembling in their voice. <laughs> oh yeah. I listened to a whole timeshare pitch from yeah, Hilton right. the other day. <laughs> oh, this like, is a new one. You've done a couple, you've listened to a couple of timeshare pitches. Oh yeah. Well, I'll never, I'll never go sit through one again, but they called me on my cell phone oh. and the, the lady was nice. And so I listened to it, but it was like, uh, you know, they want you to come to Las Vegas for like four days or whatever. And yeah, like, yeah. Oh, you just have to you just have to go to this presentation. It's an hour and a half and it's only 200 bucks, you know. But I, I just kept like, no, I've, I'm I am never doing this again. <laughs> I'm absolutely never doing it. Well, what if uh, what if it was only 100 bucks? Like, what if I, I just talked to my manager and they can take yeah. it out by the time it's the move. By the time it was done, it was like. It's 200 bucks today, but if you sit through the pitch in Las Vegas, we'll give you your 200 bucks back as like a Visa gift card. What a solid like, pitch. It's absolutely not. <laughs> There's no way I'm ever doing that again. I know. And it's funny. They're like, we're, I mean, this is really the best deal. We're just giving away money. Hard to argue with that, right? It's like, the, oh my God. You and have then to they admire just... like their success rate, though. Yeah, yeah. Like they it's... can do that because they're excellent at making that pitch. As somebody who's in sales, like I appreciate some of the uh, the the technique, but <laughs> I'm I'm just never doing it again, ever, ever. Yeah, and you shouldn't learn a lot from uh, from timeshare salesmen. Like Christians would go like people who want to start it should be a requirement for people who want to start churches to have to go sit through timeshare pitches just to pick up on the tactics <laughs> they'd be smart too <laughs> speaking of christian timeshare salesman uh are you ready to talk about a real cool guy oh yeah i love cool we love cool guys on this podcast Mm-hmm. this is ron loose is who we're talking about today i assume that's how his name is pronounced it's l-u-c-e yeah that could be lucy do we have a pronunciation? Uh, you know when they like write out how to pronounce their names? Well, not in this case, or at least in the book here. I'm looking at uh, He's still, um, he's alive. He's 61 years old. Tell me about Ron Luce. Lucy. Luce. So he's the founder and president of Teen Mania Ministries, which Teen is, Mania. Uh, was a big deal. I think it's gone now. Yeah, at least I know a lot of their uh, ministries are gone. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It looks like... Um, they filed for bankruptcy. 2015, they filed, for chap uh, they filed Chapter 7 bankruptcy and closed the ministry permanently. Yeah. They had a bunch of different things that they did, one of which is a show favorite, Acquire the Fire. Yeah, we love that. I miss stuff like that. I want to I want to reattend like a youth event from this side of things. Um, it would be really hard to stomach, 
probably, but I I would I think it'd be worth it. I, I'm far enough away now that like I think I could enjoy just going and sitting through one of these things. That's what we should do. Now, we got to find like a, one of those big ones. Um, some at some point between our locations. Uh, there's probably a lot more out your way to be honest. Meet up and go to <laughs> C Spot Rock in like Baton Rouge or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so okay, so here's the hi- little history on uh, on Ron it says. Luce became involved in drug and alcohol abuse while living with his father. Luce was taken in by a pastor under whose roof he became a Christian. He then committed his life to evangelizing and training young people. He received his bachelor's degree in psychology and theology from Oral Roberts University and his master's in counseling psychology from the University of Tulsa. In 2002, U.S. President George W. Bush appointed him to the White House Advisory Commission on Drug-Free Communities. No way. I didn't realize he had a a position under old Bushy Bush. Yeah, served until 2004 and then joined the Board of Trustees of Oral Roberts University in January of 2008. And I think uh, what's so funny about some of these, like this guy of all people, was on a presidential advisory commissions on drugs. Like <laughs> what, <laughs> what, why, right. why, what why creden- not anybody by, else? What credentials does he have? Um, other than he used to take a lot of them. <laughs> like, well, he yeah. learned from experience, uh, why you shouldn't do that. So who else are we going to listen to? I mean, not a board certified psychologist or addiction specialist, or, you know, we'll just, take the Christian who used to do them before he got radically saved and gave them up and thinks that's the solution for everybody else. <laughs> now, whenever we talk about one of these people, like I, I just Google their name and scandal just to see <laughs> what comes up. It just, it's fun. It works so well. And the thing that came up immediately was an article from uh, the Christian post. Uh, this is from October 5th, 2015. It says arrest warrant issued for teen media founder Ron Luce and Compassion International's lawsuit. Compassion uh, International's lawsuit against Teen Mania? Yep. All right. And he had, he had an arrest warrant out for him as a result of this. It says a court in Colorado has issued an arrest warrant for Teen Mania Ministries founder Ron Luce after he failed to appear at a hearing related to a lawsuit filed by Compassion International seeking a $174,000 judgment. What did so, he do? Did he, was he supposed to give them money be, through his like ministry? Was that like he raised money for them and they just never wrote the check? Well, I also, I so love it says, when, sorry, oh. I love when people get like when they have an arrest warrant out simply because they didn't show up to court. Like that's not hard. You show up to court and you won't like, you're going to have to do this. Like, not showing up to court has never gotten somebody out of what they're dealing with. So it's like, why wouldn't you just be there? It doesn't, that one blows my mind, uh, getting arrested because you didn't sh- show up to court. Yeah. Unless you're going to Elron Hubbard it onto a, onto a yacht and just like take off to Morocco or something. Yeah. Like just that. hang out like in international waters, show up to court in your big shoulder padded, double breasted sport coat. Yeah. That or John McAfee it in, uh, moves to some tropical compound where you basically hold people hostage found your next ministry blackwater yeah <laughs> it says compassion international filed the complaint last november after teen mania which has reportedly been facing severe financial issues canceled some of its weekend acquire the fire events 
for which Compassion had paid for stage time to make appeals for attendees to sponsor needy children. Compassion claims Team Mania hasn't refunded the money. Okay, so they took their money and then they closed up shop and now they're supposed to get it refunded. I don't know how that works with filing for bankruptcy too. I think that's people try to do that to get out of paying back certain things. Um, but yeah. there's a priority list for for bankruptcy payments. I don't know if nonprofits are high on that list, but I'm pretty sure uh, people who maybe own some of your assets are like banks and shit. They'll get their bag first before any nonprofit sees anything. The last company that I worked for, um, and I don't really have a problem talking about how I feel about them now that I don't work for them, but um, they filed for Chapter 11 uh, during the pandemic. And I and plenty of others didn't think they really needed to. Uh, it was just a convenient move to not pay back everyone we were in debt to. Um, it was strategic. Yeah. And I I find that game very interesting uh, because it was a, it was hell too. like uh, accounting. Like, I'm surprised they didn't all just like, you know, mass suicide or some shit like that, like in the office, just to make a point. It was they went everyone who worked on that side of things really did go through hell um, trying to reconcile the books afterwards up to like two years after we were still dealing with it. And it's, so it's a lot, it's not like, it's not just like a reset button that goes smoothly, but it, it made us uh, a lot of money. Uh, and the people who are inconvenienced by it were the ones that, you know, didn't have the last, <laughs> the people who owned it were certainly inconvenienced by it, but it's a lot help, more helpful when like, you know, you just you're paying other people to to manage it for you. Like nobody knows how to manage their way through bankruptcy. You hire someone who can help you do that. You I don't know. It was just it was insane. And it felt like a joke and it felt like unethical way to just, um, you know, we bought a bunch of shit pre pandemic and then you file for bankruptcy. And we have I mean, we had a, a lot of our vendors like take away all of the discounts and everything. Like it hurt our relationships with a lot of them. And they take away your discount and they go, so you, we might not be able to get <clears throat> our, you know, $500,000 back from you. But what we will do is we will d eliminate your discount and you will only get that discount again when the amount that you've lost to us without that discount equals what you owed us before. And it's like, it doesn't help. It didn't end up helping in a lot of ways just because. That's what most vendors did. They just took away your discount until they made back their money. And yeah. so now you you have less of a return on everything you're selling. It's just. It seems like a bit of a financial shell game a lot of times. Yeah, for sure. Sucks for the end. You you know, the the companies that, that sell to you. I mean, that's where it really blows. That was really bad during like the, uh, you know, when GM and those companies filed yeah, for bankruptcy yeah. back in the late 2000s because there's i mean you know growing up around like detroit mid-michigan there's just tons of like machine shops that make it was like these guys make this whole machine shop makes like door handles for gm and now like their entire business model is you know in in peril because they filed for bankruptcy and they don't know if they're going to get their money back that they are owed and yeah it was a mess yeah, definitely. Uh, it it throttled the economy in Michigan. That's for sure. 
Well, I looked, I, I didn't have time to really dive deep into this. I was really trying to figure out if there was any accusations about where Teen Mania's money went. I mean, it sounds like they had a lot of different irons in the fire between, you know, Acquire the Fire, and then you, you read off a list of, like, other ones that they, other yeah, ministries that they had. They had six other ministries. Um, and let's just, um, without actually knowing what they are, uh, before I tell you what they are, if I even do, um, I think you could probably make a pretty good guess. And I think maybe some of the guesses we could have are maybe even more interesting than the ministries themselves. Uh, so obviously acquire the fire. Um, everybody knows that one. We've talked about that quite a bit. Um, uh, I do think it's funny, um, that it says frequent when it talking about acquire the fire, it says frequent use of words such as battle, enemy, soldier, foes, and warfare, accompanied by displays of military imagery. It's like what what is this for? They probably got funding from the military too. <laughs> so, so then they had global expeditions. Oh, that seemed that's seems fairly obvious, but go ahead and make your guess. Hmm. Um, well, I would imagine that that involves sending groups of teens to faraway places where they stay in, by comparison, a very opulent place compared to the locals. They do minimal labor and then uh, they go home having basically accomplished nothing and giving nothing to the local economy. Yeah, I think you pretty much nailed it. Young people would go to, it was like one to eight week missions trips uh, throughout the United States and overseas. Uh, Global Expeditions reports having sent 67,783 missionaries on the field to 69 countries and has documented 1,324,637 reported decisions for Christ. (laughs) Wow. That's a good return. Good for everybody. 67,000 people were able to convert 1.3 million so you know what's funny about that is like uh talking about like the 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 economies and stuff of these countries and places where they do missions trips so april went on a big missions trip to guatemala when she was in like early high school and we were talking about it the other day and she's like yeah you could only bring it was with teen missions and you could only bring like I don't know, X number of pounds worth of stuff with you because you had to carry like the, they had like these big military duffel bags that the kids all had to carry through the airport and stuff. Okay. And she's like, yeah, you, you could only bring so much because you also had to like carry all of this like bulk canned food and stuff with you on the plane to take down there. And I'm like, why were you, why would you haul canned food? Like, halfway across the planet she's like i don't don't know i said they had you they had you carry canned food in your backpack she's like yeah tons of it like it was so heavy (laughs) it's a compliance test anything to avoid paying for something in the place where you're going it's like hey you know if you need anything we got a grocery store down the street like no thanks we brought all the vienna sausages and canned ham that we uh that we could fit in our backpacks yeah we'll just eat bushes baked beans right out of the canned colds all week instead of support a local economy <laughs> we'll just and they're like locusts they like they could they're more likely to devastate a local economy <laughs> than to support it yeah <laughs> like really annoying locusts <laughs> going into your community they're just 
locusts in um, modest tankinis and uh, t-shirts in the at the beach. It's <laughs> doing a bunch of construction work that you'll have to redo in two years. Yeah, <laughs> building a deck that they'll never know if and when it collapsed. It's like. <laughs> They'll never know the lives that they're respond that they've stolen, and it's like you might have converted one point three million to Christ, but you know, one point five million have died and fallen due to fallen architecture work done by youth groups. <laughs> but at least they went to heaven when they died, and that's the most important part. That's true. That's all that matters. Uh, they also had Honor Academy, which is honestly even better than I thought it was going to be. I thought Honor Academy, my guess is that it was just like uh, kind of like a schooling program. Like you go to learn like uh, apologetics or something like that, because um, I I did an apologetics camp at one point and I loved it. But uh, Honor Academy, it just seems like where you'd go to learn how to do good Christian shit. Um but it's kind of like hones in on some of our favorite things to make fun of Christian groups for um, just free teen labor. That's amazing. <laughs> nice. Uh, interns would perform most of the day-to-day functions of the different ministry programs through ministry placements. Uh, you would go after high school or in college and, in order to participate in honor Academy, individuals were required to raise their own financial support, which would like range from 650 to $850 a month, depending on the specific program. You have to uh, pay to be there and work. You had to pay to do the free labor for them uh, that they couldn't do on their own. And, uh, but don't worry because the funds were tax deductible uh, if you were oh, donating good. to the ministry. Well, you can surely see how this organization went bankrupt, you know, with all of these expenditures. These funds were tax-deductible contributions directly to the ministry and were also (laughs) non-refundable. Perfect. Yeah, somebody should have told Compassion International. Uh, It was uh, in the mid-2000s, they had nearly 1,000 participants a year, uh, and they would, uh, it was seven-figure profits for Teen Mania. But numbers did continue to decline as people realized that they were part of a scheme. And, you know, it's hard to keep the keep the wheels running smoothly on your unpaid ministries when you don't have uh, poor 18, 19 year old kids to take advantage of. Yeah. Is there any indication of where the term academy came in or is it just marketing? It's just uh marketing so whatever the academy part it's like whatever their ministry programs are you would i'm guessing want to learn how to do the yeah you're just learning how to do the day-to-day functions um that's kind of like an academy right (laughs) interesting it's um What, what was the other there was another one that you read that was like battle something or other right yeah so they had um they had there's three more um but one of them was a battle cry campaign, which is like that's for people. I feel like without knowing anything about it, it's like people who like read every young man, not every young man's battle. What's the one that one was terrible. What's the one that was like all about like running barefoot through the woods. Do you remember that book? Mm. Wild at heart, wild at heart. We need to find that book and take a dump on it because uh, that one swept through Liberty University. Did anyone try to convince you to read that when you were there? No, 
didn't spend a lot of time talking about books yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at college or God or going to any of the things that we were supposed to go to that required you my, to talk about them. You were my only outlet for, uh, for Jesus speak. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, wild at heart was like barefoot. I feel like it was like encouraged, like all like just running and playing in the woods and typical guy shit. But there's also another Rounding. book that was going on at the time. I think I'm confusing that in another book that came out at the same time that basically was like a guy wrote a whole book about how you should run in bare feet, which resulted in a bunch of people fucking up their feet like five years later. <laughs> was I love the like, idea of like a of like a uh, a devotional <laughs> book that talks about like grounding and then like sunning your perineum or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the whole book, the premise was like, well, our, I mean, you know, our feet are perfectly designed by God and uh, we didn't used to need shoes. And it's like people have been putting leather underneath their feet since they fucking first skinned an animal because they stepped on something that hurt them. It's like, yeah, you don't need, you don't need clothes. You don't need shirts. You don't, there's a lot of things you don't need. And, uh, you know, human ingenuity just tells you that you can make things better for yourself by uh, just, you know noticing a problem you had and figuring out how to fix it yeah what i don't remember what that condition is that people get in their feet from wearing like those barefoot shoes the like the, the five finger shoes or oh, whatever yeah the um what the fuck are those called the place that manufactures them is in the next town for me uh, well it's by far the coolest shoes ever made yeah <laughs> uh but battle cry it also sounds like like tough mutters for christians um I don't, let's see. It was, um, oh, this one's, it was politically motivated. Um, it was primarily sought to influence American and Canadian social and political culture. Major backers. Uh, oh yeah. These, some heavy hitters really, uh, you could tell exactly what this is about based on the, the backers here, but, uh, Joyce Meyer, Chuck Colson, Pat Robertson, Josh McDowell, and Jack Hayford. Hmm. So some big names uh with some clear clear agendas uh then they had the other two they just had extreme camps and school of worship um extreme camps was an annual series of summer camps it was a place to to uh jump on the blob and get molested yeah <laughs> yes that's it uh, and then uh you know they had all the typical activities that bring everybody out as like your ropes course your paintballs uh arenas your your swimming hole that, you know, of course it's divided, you know, there's no co-ed swimming together, which is, you want to talk about the biggest scam ever ropes courses. Yeah. They seem like they'll be fun and they're not fun. It's basically <laughs> just waiting in line for people to stare up at your like stunted Johnson in a, uh, in a harness, you know, poking out the bottom of your shorts. And then, uh, you know, you, you slow walk across like a, a net in the air. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. It sucks. It always looks like it's going to be so fun, and then it's lame. Yeah, it's but I like, have very strong feelings about having to wear a harness in front of people. Oh, dude, the, it was always so awkward when you had to wear a harness, and it would just like roll your junk up in like into a triangle. In like, you're like everyone. I feel like it just everyone was looking at your uh, your. Uh, like that bunch, that pants, that your bunched up khakis, uh, 
just surrounding your dick and balls. Like, <laughs> it this turns, turns any pair of pants into pleated pants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just got the big, like, gooch pocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a criticisms part on uh, Wikipedia, and the top one says militant statements. Oh, um, yeah. That, co- that seems to coincide well with their, like, uh, their their military language, right? Yeah, it says some of his statements include, this is war, and Jesus invites us to get into the action, telling us that the violent, the, quote, forceful ones, will lay hold of the kingdom. At a Cleveland of Acquire the Fire event, he said, the devil hates us, and we got to be ready to fight, and not be these passive little warm, lukewarm, namby-pamby, kumbaya, thumb-sucking babies that call themselves Christians. Jesus, he got mad. I want an attacking church. I I truly have always had a hard time understanding that lane of Christianity, like that battle cry war language of like, it's like, it just doesn't seem right. Uh, especially call it like, oh, the thumbs, like what's, who are the thumb sucking Christians? Who are the thumb sucking baby Christians? The ones who like, they don't want to like preach fire and brimstone on a street corner. They don't want to like, yell at you to get right with god like seventh day adventists yeah <laughs> yeah veggies and not going to war yeah vegan christians Ugh, gross <laughs> I, I don't know i just it there was it's, it's it's motivational it is that's all uh, it is and it's, it's like that's language learned from you know i mean the military language is it's just like why people end up like signing up for the military after they watch like a cool recruiting video where they think they're gonna essentially play call of duty in real life yeah it's everything's like that every sales conference is the same you know it's like every dude that wakes up in the morning and turns on jocko wilnick tell stories about being in iraq so that (laughs) he can go you know work the perfume counter at macy's right yeah just to like get like through the like you get those like fantasies of you know i could I probably could do that. It's like how everyone thinks that like at the turn of the season, it gets warm. Um, you're like, you know, if I really committed to it, like I could be in the best shape of my life in like the next eight weeks. It's like everyone like, <laughs> tells themselves that they could do something like that. And I do it. I mean, I'm already like, it gets warmer. I'm like, I'm going to have to like, now I'm wearing like t-shirts and not sweatshirts anymore. And, I'm filling out my t-shirts a little bit more because that just keeps happening uh, as you get older, I guess. And I'm like, I need to start going for a run. I got to start exercising. I could, I'm 35. I just fucking turned 35. I could be, I 35 could be the year where I'm in the best shape of my life. And I've said that every year since 25. So I'm not exactly, I'm on a 10 year plan maybe to get there. Um, Maybe. So now I might just push, like, kick the can down the road a little bit more and be like, best shape of my life by 40. I'll turn 40, get, have a nice gray beard, and I'll be in the best shape of my life. I was thinking about it yesterday. And you know that whole, like, I forget who who was the author when that they were talking. But there was that thing where somebody was like, you know, can you write a uh, a compelling story in one sentence? And he says, like, for sale, baby shoes, never worn. You know? Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> I, think uh, I had one of those moments yesterday where, like, I was thinking, God, you know, there's 
is there anything more like like unstated depressing thing than just like you know donating workout shirts that you're too fat for to salvation army yeah <laughs> just like oh god you know, i it sucks it it's not it just feels like a waste of money too. I just that's the like I feel like I'm just so cheap. My biggest motivation for not changing clothes sizes. I, I hate shopping. I hate. I just. I'm a simple guy, and when I have to buy new things for myself, it makes me upset. And I would rather just wear the same three things every day. All I, I what I should have done is become one of those people who only wears like black t-shirts. You have like eight that's black t-shirts. That's not a bad route. And you just, everyone sees you always wearing the same thing. And it's weird for a little while and then they get used to it. It's just, I, I feel like that would have been a better direction for me to go in. It's not too late. Um, I might, the, I might just get there eventually. I do it with pants. I have two pairs of pants. It's like the, uh, the Dexter's lab route. Yeah, you know? exactly. Or Steve Jobs, one or the other. Steve, yeah, I honestly, it's the route of any real genius. They go, I'm so smart, I can't allow any of my brain power to be occupied by something as pedantic as picking out clothes. <laughs> yeah, it's not that I don't like this because I'm, you know, insecure and, and it makes me uncomfortable, it's that I'm above it. Yeah, it's like the, <laughs> it's the same logic as like eating the same thing every day for lunch for 15 years which I yeah. probably would do just out of convenience too. Well, yeah. I. So the reason that we got on to Mr. Loose in the first place is because I have, I have like this ever expanding, it's kind of getting to be an annoyance at this point, but like when I'm at like a, a yard sale or a thrift store and I see a book that I'm like, that's got some crazy stuff in it, I bet you. Like I'll, I'll, I'll pay a dollar for it or yeah. whatever. And I, I was looking at these, uh, this week and I think we may have talked about this book before, but it's called 10 challenges of a world changer. Oh, hell yeah. And it's geared towards kids. It has a lot of clip art. So you can see here that like, a a good white boy is wrestling over a stretched out globe with a, a presumably evil possibly asian boy yeah in this clip art what year is that book written oh boy let's see let's see uh copyright 1995 okay so that was still in the era of like this is pre-tribulation uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's still in the era of uh you know racist depictions of other ethnicities yeah and uh this was this was a person who you know, he 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 succumbed to the pitch. He it says Robert M or Robert W. Christensen, Acquire the Fire, 1995, Hutchinson, Kansas. So I guess Robert must have memorized right this and the, didn't right, need it anymore. Yeah, that's right down the street from you. Yeah, that's like an hour from here. It's not that far. Um, I'm glad it stayed local. I'm glad the book stayed local and can just affect people on a local level. I would love, I wish there was a price tag on this. I would love to know what he paid for this at Acquire the Fire. Yeah, it doesn't say on the back, huh? It must, so it's not like a real, like. Oh, it says $7.99. Okay. US. I'm surprised that they even let him put that on the back. Though. I mean, that's what, 15 bucks today. 
probably. $7.99 was like a monthly car payment at the time. <laughs> that was that was your monthly payment on your uh, 92 Eagle Talon. It was at least that layaway payment on a new pair of Dockers. <laughs> uh, okay, so this is divided up into weeks. It's the, it's a 13-week book, okay? Week one, a call to arms. Week two, world changers in the Bible. And then once you get into week three, it's like a series of challenges. It was week um, two. I'm guessing Paul is the top of that list. I bet Paul, like is higher up that list than Jesus. Yeah. Well, I mean, what did Jesus really do? Not much. I mean, he was uh, only alive. Oh, it's going to list it. Okay. So it's, it's done by day, day one, Daniel, keep your quiet times. Day two, David, <laughs> worship. A, keep your quiet times. Why I wish David more people would keep their fucking quiet times. Dude, I know. <laughs> like here, dude, your joke about Cracker Barrel got me hard the other day. Yeah. <laughs> Silent prayers would uh, would eliminate like eighty percent of conversations at Cracker Barrel. Yeah. Uh, day three, Lydia, keep an open heart to the things of God. I like that they um that they put some women in um and so early on in the 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 days. I mean. They didn't wait till the end to get to them. And Lydia is certainly one of the go-tos that everyone thinks of, right? Mm -hmm. Lydia. Of all the women in the Bible, Lydia is the one that, for what, what, why, what, what's Lydia's specialty? What is it? She kept an open mind to the things of God. Yeah, wow. Um, her story is in Acts 16, 11 through 15. She has four verses. And she is one of the 14 women with names in the Bible. Yeah, she gets four verses. Uh, and that's clearly they just like add her in. Like, why not Ruth? She has a whole book of the Bible. But you go with Lydia, who gets four verses in Acts. Yep. Maybe Ruth is on this list, though. I shouldn't jump the gun. Day four, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego make no compromise, which they is a good that. rule for life. Don't yeah, compromise. No compromise ever. is yeah. It gets you. It Be gets confident that you are correct a hundred percent of the time, and make and you know, offer no quarter to your enemies. Yeah, <laughs> which is anyone who disagrees with you. Uh, day five. This one's for you, uh, Timothy. Have a servant's heart. Ooh, well, that's different. Timothy is this Timothy in Acts, in the book of Acts. Timothy was a young man who grabbed a hold of God and served him every chance he had. Yep. Acts yeah. 17, 13 through 15. So different than the, the Timothy. Well, because we, yeah. <laughs> they're the same. They're not the same Timothy? Well, maybe. Uh, but we, as we've discussed, uh, Paul did not write the book of Timothy, uh, presumably to Timothy. It's all just forgeries and frauds <laughs> <laughs> you just like they literally have like, uh, like so many of the books are just like even books that didn't get canonized like the gospel of thomas the, it's like there's all these like books that are written that they just grab names from the like the from the book of acts or the gospels and they go uh i'm this person writing to uh these people that i definitely knew back at this time uh yeah yeah hey it's me yeah <laughs> hey, it's me Definitely me and not lying. Yeah. 
Day six is Esther. Have a heart of compassion. Uh, what I I do like that they compress these people down into like one little catchphrase. Yeah. Like Joseph, he's day seven. It says, keep your dream alive in your heart. Oh, my God. Uh, is Abraham on there for just faith? Just all encompassing faith. Who, Abraham? Yeah. No, just those wow. seven. That takes you through your week. All right. Well, Let's see. The character trait I want you to get your heart locked into as a result of studying Joseph's life is this. Joseph had a dream that wouldn't die. To do something great for God, you have to have a dream that will not die. It's not arrogant to have a desire to do something great for God. Doing something great in the kingdom of God means you're serving other people. You're not getting arrogant, building a name for yourself, but you have a dream to change the world and make it more like God wants it. It's Ooh, not arrogant to dream that, a dream for God. That's, that language is a little terrifying. You have the opportunity to change the world the way God wants it. That's why we're in the political landscape that we're in right now. <laughs> that's all. That, that's the language. It's like we need to take our beliefs and practices and force them on everybody else because that's how God wants it, uh, especially, especially when it comes to the gays. Mm hmm. Yeah. So then it's just a series of challenges each week. Like, uh, these are good. We should do these mind to God commit to systematic Bible study. <laughs> I, I was looking at this one. Challenge four, week six is commit to an accountability friendship. And, uh, those are had, always honest and go well. The, the person who had this book underlined a lot of sections in it too. So it's kind of fun to see which ones. Yeah. It's like getting to know them. On a more intimate level, are there like how is it in, in the margins? Did he talk about you know uh, some of his confessions to his friends or underline? Is there anything about? I'm sure there's like uh, avoiding sexual sin that's got like three underlines. Oh yeah, well there's a whole. I think it's like God. What's the challenge about? Dating? Don't jerk off. That's the, the challenge. Is just. Go a full week without jerking off. <laughs> Commit to holy courtship instead of dating. Oh my God. What a useless challenge. Challenge 10 is commit to go on a mission trip while you're a teen. It's like Christian most extreme elimination challenge. It's like useless, worthless challenges that get you nowhere and have no <laughs> advantage that you can't even really, you don't even really prep for. You're just <laughs> I was reading one earlier that was like, commit to your youth group and church. And uh, it was saying like, it was basically like you water it down. And it's like not saying that sports and other activities aren't val aren't good, but if they interfere with youth group or church, you need to quit. Or yeah. you can go to the pet. You can go to the to the coach and tell him that you would like to be involved when your church and youth group allows you to. And it said something along the lines of like. That's a great way to make a statement about your faith. It's a great way to make a statement that you are in a cult and you need their permission to do anything fun. Yeah. Can you imagine like you're you're a guy who's or a lady who's coaching a, a kid's team, right? You're kind of doing it out of the goodness of your heart. I mean, maybe it's your career, but more than likely it's you're you're there to help out because you like you know, your kid plays and you think it's important that kids have sports and stuff. And you're yeah. trying to organize this team and pick everything and deal with angry parents. And like, 
the kids who are doing it halfway and the kids who are actually like have their head in the game and blah, blah, blah. You got all these other considerations. And then this kid comes up to you and they're like, I would like to play, but I'm not available Wednesdays, Thursdays and Sunday nights because I have made a commitment to my youth group. Um, can I play? And you, you're just like, so now I get to balance all of this crap for you. Like, yeah, it's, it's so arrogant. Dude, I remember that, like, uh, the fam, the sports families in church kind of getting, like, they were lo- kind of looked down upon because it's, like, if they had games on Sundays and, like, a lot of them were. A lot of sports happened Sunday morning. You have two day, you have, like, all these sports and you have two days a week to make them work for all families. And Sunday is usually the best day for a lot of people. So it's, like, well, they have hockey, uh, hockey practice or on whatever on Sundays and I just remember like some families not being in church a lot and like that coming up as a conversation at home sometimes, or like it would, it was always like passive aggressive, but the undertone was that they were like choosing sports over leading their family correctly, uh, spiritually and that they were like lacking on that. And it's, yeah, I was super judgmental, um, towards those kinds of people, uh, for a while. And then, um, like, cause, uh, my wife's family, they were big sports people. And like my wife started coming to church. That's how we met. But like their, her dad was always a coach. Her brothers were in baseball. They all like, there was a lot going on Sundays and they did sports stuff on Sunday all the time. Um, and she kind of had the same thing. It's like she, when she started getting back into like, really like going to made, made her own commitment to go to church and do her like, you know, made her own commitment to Christ and all that shit. And you're like, even you start to have those conversations well they they really haven't because they've been doing like sports for so long and you can you it it doesn't take long before you're just passive aggressively thinking and pointing out that like that they they weren't willing to make the sacrifice uh for the thing that ultimately matters well that's kind of like one of the things in this book is you start reading through like the, you know, you need to commit to your youth group. You need to, you know, submit to your youth pastor was like a whole section in there. And that's and, weird. Youth pastors should have absolutely little to no authority over you. You're a fucking kid. Right. Like y- y- you're a youth pastor. The extent of your authority is you get to pick the pizza toppings when you order it in on Wednesday night. That's and it. What, and what pervy games you make horny kids play. <laughs> That's it. Which which Lord of the Rings movie you're going to ruin this week? Yeah, I'll submit to the authority of water balloon fights. Um, <laughs> that, that's it. Yeah, it, it, but I don't know this and this whole section about accountability partners and friends and stuff. It's it's like clearly just making this case for like why this you're a kid. This dominates everything in your life. Everything outside of this it's based on nothing. It's like, it's based on make believe and circulatory reasoning. That's it. This whole like this. I mean, yeah, like, like nor like the, the Bible aside, like this whole thing is just like this loosely patched together worldview. That's like yeah. <laughs> extrapolated from thousands of years old texts and then put into book form in an attempt to like control 14 year olds. It's and like, so yeah, stupid. Ro- and it's like a few verses cherry picked ripped and re- like out of any original context that they had, not to mention a conversation about whether or not the original context is even like applicable or valuable for it's like 
to transpose onto a modern belief system. It's, uh, it's just, yeah, it's literally, it's like, um, it's like if you're, you placed all authority on an issue of people magazine and because you placed all authority on an issue of paper of people magazine, you just like took out random sentences and words and strung it together like a ransom note and go, this is how we're supposed to live our lives. Um, and I did that because I took all these words from the thing that I say has authority and it's just nonsense. <laughs> it's like, that has no, that's no more relevant to my life than some asshole who cherry picked 13 verses and tried to make you or 13, like, yeah, verses, chapters, concepts, whatever, from this large book, uh, and say, this is how you need to live your life for the rest of it. And this Everything is the challenge lines up behind these principles. That yeah. It's I've, so wild that I've categorized and prioritized. It's goofy. I, this, this stuff though, is like the, some of the biggest complaints I have about it that still like get on my nerves is like the, the stress that it puts on kids and their relationships, you know, cause I mean, dating's a whole other thing. Right. But like, this is a part that's, this is uh, your closest friends must be on fire for God. It says, as you get serious about really changing the world, you're going to have to limit the amount of time you spend with people who are of the world. The most important reason for you to spend time with people who aren't saved is to help them get saved and let God change their lives. You can strike up an accountability friendship only with someone who loves God with all his heart and who's going to hold you to the same thing. If you've been hanging around people who aren't saved, who don't love God with all of their hearts, or who are lukewarm, you may have to change your friends. You may have to tell them you can't hang out with them anymore. Oh my God. That's crazy. It's it, just, the, it's so, it's just, this is just poisonous. This is so yeah. bad for somebody. Like you can, I can only hang out with you insofar as you change your mind to believe exactly what I do. And I, I was hanging around you a lot because I was trying to convince you but you still remain unconvinced. So uh, I'll, the ultimatum is I can't be friends with you anymore unless you change your mind about these things. Um, it's this is, wild. It's, it's so, quarantine. Yeah. That's what it is. And like, so some people say we need to witness to these people. We need to share the Lord with them. That's true. But you can't be out on a limb all by yourself trying to get them saved, hoping they'll get saved so you'll have Christian friends. You've got to get locked in with people who are accountable to get you in your face and push you toward the Lord. Dude, that's crazy because they'll also give you the opposite message too, right? Like you, it, that's why it's so inconsistent because you can easily find, you could just pull out some other, some passage of the Bible to support why you should be radical and out there. And even if no one's with you, like out there like witnessing to your friends and taking a stance for God. Like they, you've heard the flip side of that argument too. This one is just so like uh, insular and protective. And ultimately it just goes, we don't trust you to actually take this seriously. So we want you to act like you do be around people who say they do, but because we don't trust you to actually be able to, and we think you'll be swept away by the whims of the world. You have to um, take this seriously by um, a show of pageantry uh, because we think we'll just lose you two when we're trying to preserve our numbers. That's like, it's such a bad faith. Uh, it's 
low expectation of what you think they're capable of masked in a language that says you're doing it because we, uh, because we trust you and because we, we want what's best for you. It's so fucking gross. Yeah. And it's definitely like puts more of a, like they're much more concerned about keeping the ones that they have as opposed to like getting new ones in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If you, if you try to witness to your unsaved friends by it's a yourself war of attrition <laughs> and hang out with them all the time, you just end up getting weaker and weaker. They end up picking you off instead of you're drawing them into the kingdom of God. And why? I thought God was more powerful than the ways of the world. Like, that's what's crazy is like they they do. They act like it's a numbers game. Like, oh, if it's a one to five ratio, you're in a lot of trouble. One to one, you know, hanging out individually, you might be OK. But really a two to one, like two to three on two is like three Christians, two seculars. That's really like the ideal ratio because you're more likely you pull them into your group and then you're really a lot more likely to change their mind because the power of groupthink is really strong, which is why you're reading this stupid fucking book right now. Yeah. You witness the people of the world, but you don't draw them in and let them be your closest friends. God, I hate this. The Bible is very clear about the relationships Christians should have with unbelievers. It's It's so clear. It's not merely an issue of whether you should or shouldn't date them. The Bible is asking you to examine what you really have in common with them. How could you possibly think they could be your best friends when what's deepest in your heart is completely different than what's in their hearts? That I, the othering there too is pretty extreme, right? Like they're like a different breed of human is what this is getting at. Think about second Corinthians six, 14 through 15 today, chew on it all day long, memorize it, meditate on it, and think about any friendships you may need to cut off. Have you gotten so close to some unbelievers? They've almost or already influenced you. You may need to cut off these unhealthy friendships this week. Keep praying for the accountability friends God is going to bring your way. He's going to use your accountability friendships to change your life. It's well, funny I'm glad too because you and like, I found each other because you know this is the accountability friendship that I need, and this is all that I need. Yep, we we yeah, keep I'm each other. actively uh, walling other people off. Yeah, <laughs> and if something happens to you, or if you start to slip, I'm just gonna I'll, I'll just have to. Unalive myself? Is that what you're Unalive myself, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Now, because you use that word, we're not going to get a little, like, flag on Spotify that says it just deals with <laughs> dangerous topics and suicidality. So real quick, last thing before we go here. Um, day five says, this is, I, I guarantee you this is going to be fun. <laughs> day five, in-your-face friendships. Um, All right. Accountability friendship is about being willing to get in each other's face. This is not saying, well, I'll pray for you, brother. Some of your Christian friends may be involved in the Christian cliche where they act like everything is all right, but inside they're not at all. They spend so much time playing sports or video games or doing other activities, they don't feel very close to anybody else anyway. There are people who they say they're close to, but it's just because they go to the same youth group and sing Friends Are Friends Forever and have goosebumps together. But they don't. That song notorious for giving people goosebumps when they sing it in unison. (laughs) Old Michael W. (laughs) Accountability friendships say, 
I'm going to get in your face and I'm going to let you get in my face. If you see anything in my life that doesn't line up with the word of God, I expect you to call me on it. I call them in your face friendships. He loves that term. He's like, I, he thinks he coined a new term. Uh, and I'm surprised there is there a little trademark symbol after in your face friendships. He likes that. And he likes uh pick them off. He uses pick them pick off them in reference to like the devil pulling Christians away all nice. the time. It says uh, in these friendships, you give someone permission to hold you accountable, to ask how you are, how your quiet time was, what God spoke to you. And what's going on in your life? If you say, well, nothing really, then your accountability friend gets in your face and says, wait just a minute. Aren't you going in the growing in the Lord? Don't you want to change the world? Your accountability partner gets in your face and says, listen, I will not stand for this. I love you too much to let you half-heartedly go through your quiet times and coast through your life. I like that it's masked in like this, I love you too much as a friend thing when you're like, like to co like you're 14 years old and you're like, I love you too much to let you coast through life. You're 14. Nothing you do matters. It's so inconsequential. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Everything you say is probably annoying to people who are a decade older than you. Like there's very little like that you're going to do that. Like what does coasting even look like? <laughs> like not telling your friends at lunch that they need to give their lives to Christ. Like what the fuck does coasting look like at 14? Yeah. And like what should you, they be doing differently? You should be making yourself a pariah at school. Every yeah. day. <laughs> exactly. Every day. Someone should reaffirm how much they hate you because of how annoying you are. You should be so annoying that someone decides that they are going to shoot up the school and they're going to ask you specifically if you're a Christian just to see how you answer that question. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> the this power was of Christ can school shooters. This was his dance. <laughs> this, uh, okay, this, this is an important section here. One sign of real maturity. Are you ready? I'm ready is allowing one of your parents to be an accountability part. <laughs> Mom, I took your JC Penny magazine and masturbated and I actually came on the page by accident. <laughs> she goes, that's that's real mature of you to tell me that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for telling me so I, I can discard of it. <laughs> yeah. Please show me which pages I need to I need to see what you were looking at in order to really hold you accountable. Basically, you tell your mom and dad or just choose one that you want to give them permission to get in your face whenever they think you need it. Uh, they may get in That's your face anyways. Want. That's what kids want is their parents just showing up and telling them how to live their lives. That'll you'll be so close. Um, I, I mean, can you imagine if like you're if your family dynamic was like that, where like you couldn't just be a kid, like you just be a kid and fuck off a little bit. And your parents would go, well, we need to hold you accountable uh, because we love you too much. It's like, you would hate your parents more than anything, more yeah. than anything. If they had that type of relationship with you. Says so they may get in your face anyways, but you're giving them permission to get in your face about anything they see in you. That doesn't look like something in Jesus's life. Oof. Like so hanging out with prostitutes. Like, the kid's like 14. He's just hanging out with hookers and strippers and shit. <laughs> it's just like, 
parents are like, we're really proud of you, son. You're living your life just like Christ. <laughs> Maybe keep put in a penalty one. system, you know. But just like, to keep you safe, we bought you this dick cage, son. And, it'll, and we <laughs> I was have to say, and dude, you're like 12 years old. Like this is this is imprinting for sure. Yeah. Like, this is this has led to a bunch of fin dom situations. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> everybody who's who's paying a, an OnlyFans girl to scream at them and and belittle their penis and like, tell them how it's worthless because they are. their parents were their accountability yeah. partners. <laughs> <laughs> tell me you're disappointed in me. <laughs> oh, day six. What to talk about with an accountability friend? Because you know, two friendships need a cue card yeah. <laughs> to. Uh, to keep oh, the conversation God. rolling. It's like Christian pickup lines. Uh, and then day seven is just be friendly. In this case you forgot. Absolutely, and the, this book has absolutely set you up to do that. Like everything <laughs> leading up to this is going to make you such a fucking loser. No one will perceive you cutting your ties with people because they're not Christians as an act of friendliness. Uh, so this book has set you up for failure on week or day seven, whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> it says, You've got to show that you're interested in somebody else's life and that you want somebody else to be interested in your life. It's like you, you basically have to show that you're interested in other people, even though your own ideological self-interest governs every part of your relationship. And them. requires you to break relationship with people who don't think the same way. <laughs> I'm just telling you, you got to be on fire for God, or I'm going to have to write you a letter and formally end this friendship. <laughs> I want to witness to you, but I don't want to get picked off. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can't. Uh, yeah. The, the devil is just creeping behind every corner in every shadow. That's what is like wild about that mentality, too. When you feel that way, it like you you can find the devil in everything and anything when you're just like constantly expecting that like you just 100 percent setting up paranoia like a low level ptsd later on like you can't like smoke a little weed without wondering like if someone's gonna see or find out like you just live in this like paranoid delusion uh when you're thinking about like the enemy about to strike constantly yeah 100 percent. it's very good for uh for your mental state, for your relationships. I mean, it just goes hand in hand with healthy everything. Yeah. And this book is setting you up for perfect relationships with your parents, your friends. It's beautiful. Oh, I appreciate it. This who who wrote this? Was this Ron Luce or is this? This associate? is Ron Luce. All yep. right. Ron keeping it loose. Love that. <laughs> well, good for him. I'm proud of him. Um, would love to know exactly what he's up to today. Let's see what the most like recent date on his Wikipedia is. Nothing past 2015. He probably has a Twitter, huh? Um, yeah, nothing past 2015 on his uh, Wikipedia page. He may have a Twitter. I'll have to check that out. Maybe, Maybe he can... got raptured during the bankruptcy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Let me see. I'm checking to see if he's got a Twitter. Uh, boy, let's see. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he just retweets a bunch of like bad political takes in like army recruitment videos. I bet he has a full it's a bunch of retweets. Of, like, an angel holding a sword. Here's one. Uh, this is on May 13th of last year. 
According to Pew, median age of Christians globally is 30 versus median age of Muslims is 23 years old. What are the possible implications of this reality? I'm sure anything that is in the comments or, or whatever that anyone else has like responded to is uh, not based on anything true. <laughs> There's only one comment. Okay. That says it's from a, an account called Dr. A. Fauci. <laughs> And it says, Pew is a Jew statistic. <laughs> and lo and behold, here I am. Here I find I'm a Hebrew after 2000 the year. What? What does that even mean? Oh my God. <laughs> Ron Lu sucks. Yeah, he sucks. And he looks like he dyes his hair black. So also not cool. Got the Creed look. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. If you like the show, leave us a review. Wherever you're listening to it, uh, join our Discord, hang out in there. Next week, we have a really cool episode. Uh, we talked to uh, one of our listeners who we met and got to know in the Discord, who was a part of a very strange church for a number of years, and it left like a very lasting impact on him. It's been called a cult. A um, punk cult. That's the preview. I feel like it's uh, you might even be able to Google it and that would show up pretty quickly. Um, yeah, it's called Deliverance Bible Church. Yeah, it's in like the Dallas area. And the pastor is this guy that seems like he was kind of on the upswing, maybe headed towards some national prominence as a speaker and stuff. Uh, his name's Cletus Adrian. And he's he and his wife are lunatics. So there's a really good article in uh, Topic. You go to topic.com. The article is called The Punk Rock Church That Could Be a Cult. And it's worth a read. It's very strange. Just the whole thing's really strange. Yeah. And, uh, you know, our buddy Jason, you know, he, he was a big part of it for a number of years. And so he's joining us to talk about that and some of what he experienced. I don't know. I, th I think you guys are going to really... You're going to find it really interesting. But yeah, check out that article on topic. Again, it's called The Punk Rock Church That Could Be a Cult. And join us next week as we talk to Jason about his experience there at Deliverance Bible Church. So thanks for listening, everybody. And we will see you next time.